it's like, oh, the day my baby turns four months, they're not going to sleep anymore because everything changes. And that's totally not the case. Like starting at six weeks, the baby starts making their own melatonin where before they just were having it from the mom. With people when we talk about birth experiences, they might be minimizing their trauma because we've been taught intergenerationally that this is just how it is. Right. Oh yeah, like the doctor made that decision, didn't talk to you about it, of course. Or, oh yeah, you know, they used an implement that was extremely painful for you and uh, often unnecessary. That's just what they had to do, right? There's a normalization of trauma doesn't mean that it's any less traumatic. And everything would just get solved with birth control pills. But I kept feeling like this is counterproductive. Right. Grandmother, my great grandmother had 10 kids. Mm. My paternal grandmother had nine. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this, this is black people don't have this issue. I've mm. never heard of black people having this issue. Hey, welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice where we specialize in women's issues, maternal mental health, and all things wellness. Here on the podcast, we're going to be talking about parenthood, how to take care of yourself, and a little bit of in-between things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Hey everyone, I have tucked away this very special episode for Giving Tuesday. Our guest is Bridget Cross, and she is the founder of the Georgia Fund for Perinatal Mental Health. And being that it's Giving Tuesday, I wanted to showcase this episode so that those that are looking to support organizations that are providing services to our community can donate to this incredible cause. So exactly what is the Georgia Fund? Well, of course, we're going to get into it in today's episode, but it is a grassroots crowdfunding effort to pay for fully funded therapy sessions for perinatal moms and families in Georgia. This fund is rooted in the practice of mutual aid with the understanding that our state's healthcare systems have failed to meet the primary mental health needs of moms and parents. Georgia currently holds the highest maternal mortality rate and the worst record for mental health care across in the United States. So the fund is aiming to raise $50,000 for 50 perinatal moms and parents to receive 10 fully funded therapy sessions with a qualified perinatal therapist. So this donation that you could be able to make could be able to help pay for those therapy sessions. All of the funds will go to improving access to perinatal mental health care for moms and parents in the state of Georgia, promote mental health and healing as an essential part of parenting, and support the improvement of health care outcomes for all parents in Georgia. And those who could benefit are anyone who is currently pregnant, up to two years postpartum, which is so important, um, has experienced a pregnancy or infant loss in the past two years, has experienced a pregnancy termination in the past two years, is a non-birthing step or adoptive parent with children two years and under, and anyone who is experiencing infertility or undergoing fertility treatment. So these funds help support anyone who falls into any of those categories. So I am asking you to click the link that I'm going to put in the show notes today and to donate whatever that you can. And also share this episode as well as information on how others that you know within your network can support the Georgia Fund for Perinatal Mental Health. We want to be able to raise funds to hit the $50,000 goal. Um, Bridget has done an amazing job to raise as much money 
as she has already raised. Um, but I definitely think we can be able to support her to really push um, that amount a bit further and support those who really need help and can't afford it. So stick around and listen to an incredible episode. Share, um, repost, donate, again, whatever that you can. And tell everybody that's in your network about this. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I am so excited to have not only a colleague, but a friend on the episode today, which is Bridget Cross. And to give you a background of all of her credentials, um, she's a licensed clinical social worker in New York and Georgia. She's also a certified yoga teacher training she had completed. Um, she's certified in perinatal mental health. She also completed a psychoanalytic fellowship in New York University Institute of Psychoanalytic Education. And um, she has a master's in fine arts poetry from Sarah Lawrence College. And she also is a PSI, Postpartum Support International Georgia Chapter um, board member and contributes so much in the perinatal space. I'd like to welcome to the show, Bridget Cross. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you so much, Keisha. So good to be with you. Yeah. Um, so much for us to talk about and to dive mm-hmm. into. But before we get into your actual work, just mm-hmm. tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're originally from, how you ended up in Savannah, Georgia. Um, just a little bit about you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am from New York. I grew up mostly in New York City. Um and uh, I worked, uh, I, I didn't start my working life or career in therapy. I worked um, in publications and editing and nonprofit arts organizations for a while before I made a change and decided to go to social work school because I wanted to be a therapist. Um, so I did that in New York and I worked for a while there. And then I um, in 2014, I had my first child. And the year after that, in 2015, um, my partner and I made a really big move uh, to Savannah um, for a job that he had. Um, And it was really my first experience ever even being in the South as a mostly (laughs) New Yorker um, and just Northerner in general. Um, And so we have been here since 2015. um, And we now have two girls. Uh, who are six and nine, amazingly. And um, yeah, for the time that we've been here in Savannah, um, I've been in private practice, um, just general adult mental health to start. And then um, pretty soon after we moved here, I started training in perinatal mental health and now have a practice that's pretty much almost entirely perinatal in Savannah. Yeah. So quite an arc. Yeah, that is amazing. Now, I didn't know until I was reading your bio that you had completed the psychoanalytic fellowship. I don't feel like we ever talked about it. I'm completing mine now at Emory. Yes. Um, So what led you to apply for a fellowship in New York and what was that like? 
Yeah. So I think my kind of, you know, I've been in therapy more or less off and on for a good, for pretty much all of my life, like since I was a kid. And I feel like um, the type of therapy I did as a young person and as a young adult was all um, very like psychodynamic and psychoanalytic informed. And so that's always been my sort of just personal orientation. Um, And then, you know, going to social work school obviously is very different Um, It's very like um, systems based and, um, you know, a lot of other types of approaches like CBT and more evidence based approaches. And those were all really interesting to me, but I felt a sense of like, I am at heart really a psychodynamic analytic ish therapist. And I also had been in my own psychoanalysis for many years um, during, I think, right after grad school, right after social work school, and then for several years after that. Um, And so in New York, especially where there is a really strong psychoanalytic community, there was just a sort of general push of like therapists who were similar to me or peers of mine, who were all starting to pursue psychoanalytic training after um, finishing grad school. And I knew that that was going to be a little bit too much to um, bite off at the time because it was very expensive and I was, you know, living in New York and having to work full time and my plate was really full. So I ended up finding um, through this program at NYU, they had a fellowship program, which was sort of like a, like light version of psychoanalytic training where it's not like the full fledged, you know, you're in analysis five days a week. It was more of like kind of seminars and uh, like a continuing education basically. And so, yeah, is that similar to what? (laughs) So it's much more sort of adaptable to someone who like needs to work full time and (laughs) doesn't have a limitless income. Um, And actually in retrospect, I think that that was really right for me because I did want to learn more about it and kind of dive deeper into the theory and to all of the approaches, but I actually don't, I don't feel like I, I mean, I I am a psychodynamic therapist, but I've really kind of veered away from like some of the analytic Mm. approach style as I've progressed, especially in working with perinatal, um, you know, and so I'm kind of grateful in a way that I didn't um, dive deeper into analysis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, um, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with it, but just kind of seeing where I've gone, I've realized like that maybe wasn't actually the right approach, but I, but I love having it as like a base mm-hmm. to draw from. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we're very similar in that. And I love psychodynamic. I think for all the birthing parents that I work with being mm-hmm. able to you know, get an understanding of what their idea of being a a parent came from or how they cope with stressors, where where was it modeled for them or how have they, you know, dealt with trauma in the past and like understanding that foundation in order to help them in the present and moving forward or like breaking generational unhealthy habits of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciate you. And you remember you um, kind of, uh, influence me to then branch off into internal family systems oh. taking that training how in some ways you know they're a little connected and you know it's like this this yeah. more approach now totally yeah that could be a whole other podcast just talking about <laughs> IFS. it's it's my thing right now I'm so passionate about it but it is it's a very it actually is a very like psychodynamic approach mm-hmm. um they're all very interconnected yeah I agree. Um, so tell us what made you go into perinatal 
mental health? Was it your own experience or was it the type of clients that you were seeing? What kind of inspired you? Yeah. So, so both really, but, um, I would say, you know, when I was working in community mental health in New York, but even more so when I started my own practice, I was starting to see some perinatal clients. Um, and I think like many therapists, I was seeing it as like, you know, if people are coming in and they're depressed or anxious in the perinatal period, you treat it like depression or anxiety. It doesn't really matter that it's in the perinatal period. So for example, like I didn't necessarily see it as like a specialized area um, and was, you know, mostly working with it just like that. Um, but it definitely was also from my own experiences um, that I became really like passionately interested in learning more about it. Um, so my, um, before my oldest was born, my partner and I, um, struggled with infertility for about three and a half years, um, which I would say to date was like the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, and we ended up having our daughter, uh, through IVF, which we're super lucky to have. We have both of them through IVF. Um, but you know, that was after a long time of feeling like maybe we're not even going to be able to have children and maybe I'm not even going to be able to like survive the stress of going through all of it. And stress feels like a light word for what it actually (laughs) felt like, you know? Um, and so after she, so that happened. And then after she was born, um, I, I will say I had, I've had kind of a history of depression, um, through a lot of my life. And so, you know, looking back on it, it's funny that like, I didn't as a therapist, as a person trained in mental health, especially like in a more psychodynamic approach, I didn't really anticipate that I would struggle. I think that what I felt like was we went through the worst thing possible and we got our baby. So things should be good from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that's really what both of us anticipated and really struggled with. But um, the reality was after she was born, I became very depressed. Um, mm-hmm. So I really, really struggled. Um, you know, looking back on it, I can see it was very severe postpartum depression um, and some anxiety as well, but I'd say primarily depression. Um, and I think, you know, again, it's just so interesting to look back at it, knowing what I know now, I think a lot, I was really kind of like white knuckling through a lot of it. I had a lot of shame around how I was feeling, um, about like how negatively I was feeling about being a mom, about my baby, about my partner. Um, and I just really tried to hide it from pretty much everybody. I didn't tell anyone what I was feeling or going through, which of course, like just made it so much worse. Um, so around when she was, it was after we moved here around when she was maybe a year and a half. Um, I just was realizing like, you know, I have a fair amount of, you know, pregnant and postpartum clients or people dealing with some fertility stuff. Maybe I'll just get some training. Like, you know, I need some continuing education credits anyway, might as well get some training. So I signed up for, um, the PSI, um, kind of, it's like what the two day training is, but it was online. So it went over the course of like eight weeks, like a weekly class, um, and I've, I've talked about this before that I think it's, it's interesting because I was very much pursuing it like as a professional, um, development, um, pursuit, but I think I was also like 
unconsciously, like I, I, I needed it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like didn't really want to acknowledge or admit that. But I totally remember sitting in, um, I think it was in my kitchen in my old house, like listening to the first session and just hearing like an overview of like, you know, some perinatal issues that can come up and just like breaking down and crying with like the sense of recognition of like, oh my God, like this is like I knew, but I didn't know um, that this is exactly what I had been going through. Um, so it really, it was so helpful to me professionally, but it really like impacted me personally to learn that this is a thing, even though I'd been practicing for a while, I didn't really get how much of a thing it is. Um, were you, then, yeah, you, to cut you off, but I know that you said that you had been in therapy mm-hmm. for like majority of your life, even when yeah. you guys were going through IVF, were you in therapy at that time? Yeah, I was um, briefly. And then I actually stopped therapy for a time when I was going through all the fertility stuff because it, it feels counterintuitive. Like that would be the time when you should have support, which is true. But I think I was in such a kind of like hyper-focused, like I just need to put all my energy into getting pregnant and basically like surviving that I didn't even want to process. Like I didn't want to go somewhere where I had to talk about it, yeah. um, which is actually kind of how I coped with postpartum too. Like, I think it felt horrible, but I didn't really want to go to therapy because I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't face it. Um, and I see that I'm sure you see that so much in clients, yeah. right? Like it, it takes so much to actually get them um, to contact us for support because it's like too painful. Right. Yeah. It's almost like easier to repress. And then I know, I don't know if this was the experience for you, but I know sometimes for parents I've worked with who have gone through IVF, they mm-hmm. don't want to appear like ungrateful. Like, Absolutely. you know, yeah. like I got this relationship. Totally. Yes. Why am I sad right now? Yeah. And that, <laughs> totally. That was so my experience. And that was really affirmed by, you know, all of my like very well-meaning friends and family who had seen us suffering for years. And then we're like, well, now you're great. You've got your baby and she's so pretty. And like, I think everybody really wanted us to, you know, to be feeling great. And the fact that I wasn't, and so in many ways, my partner wasn't, um, was so hard for others to accept, but for me to accept, you know? Um, So, so yeah, so I, I did that training and it just really like lit a fire in me and I wanted to just soak up everything I could and read everything I could about it. And, um, I ended up getting involved with PSI around that time, um, with the folks who ended up forming the Georgia chapter, um, and doing some trainings and, um, and eventually got the certification. And just, I, you know, for me, as I know so many people who work in our field, I found that the more I kind of dove into doing this work, the more it like helped my own healing as well. Um, and ultimately like really made it possible for me to feel okay about having a second child. Um, you know, it, and it was hard. I mean, I did struggle a bit after she was born, but the difference was I like was, I was like very proactive. I knew exactly what I needed. I knew exactly like how to reach out for support. And so it was sort of, it was difficult, but in a much shorter time span, I was feeling much more back to myself right away. Um, yeah. Was, um, by the time you guys had your second, were you in Georgia or were you still in? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was okay. here. Yeah. We moved here when my oldest was just nine months old. So oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. She was real little. Yeah. 
Okay. And, okay. and I wasn't working at first because I had left a job in New York. We'd moved here and we were kind of just getting settled here while I was starting to get my practice going. So I was home with a baby a lot of the time, which was never um, what I had planned to do. And that in itself kind of compounded some of the challenges that I was dealing with. Yeah. And going back to when you were talking about um, trying to conceive and it having taken three years, uh, when do you feel like it started to like impact your mental mm-hmm. health? Like at that point, was mm-hmm. it like a year in or, or was it finding out that you needed assess- assistance through IVF or, or how? Yeah, was it? It's a good question. I think, I mean, it was hard throughout, I think, especially for, I mean, I, I, my sense is for most women who are trying to conceive, you know, in their, you know, mid to late thirties, or I guess I was in my, still in my early thirties when we started, but um, there's some stress, you know, there's a sense of like the clock is ticking and you might hear stories about it being difficult. So I think when it doesn't happen right away, many women start to just feel a little anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot around that of like, well, you just need to kind of relax and like the pressure to just relax, to let it happen. And that can kind of create more stress. Um, so I would say that the stress of it or the anxiety around it was present pretty soon, but I think the real negative impacts came when I started, um, using or engaging in treatments like IUI with hormonal support. Um, so taking either oral or injectable hormones that started to really impact me because I think of the roller coaster that you go on with that, not only of making all this effort and then not having it be successful, but then also the intense hormonal crashes, um, which I, I mean, you know, you can know are hormonal, but that doesn't necessarily make them easier to cope with. (laughs) And then, you know, there's the financial stress layered on top of that though. I mean, we were very fortunate that we had fairly good health insurance in New York that covered quite a lot of our care, which would not have been true if we were doing that. It was quite expensive, but not what it would have been. I mean, we would not have been able to do it if we were living here when, um, when we were going through it. Right. So that is um, like such a benefit, like because I feel benefit. like yeah, most of the people that I work with here in Georgia are almost pretty much paying like out of pocket. Yeah. Well, unless they happen to work for an employer who's really making an exception by having that as part of their coverage, but that's so rare. Whereas it is, um, I don't, I haven't kept up on what the requirements are now in New York, but at the time it was require a requirement that some, um, some fertility treatments are covered by insurance regardless. So I believe at the time, all of our treatments were covered, but we had to pay for things like scans and blood work, which are expensive, but it's not, it's not what it would be without. Yeah. 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 And it's, so, it's wonderful that you felt called to do this work because you have like a lens of trying to conceive going through IVF with two kids and postpartum depression and the best thing about it is that you felt empowered enough to help others. Yeah. You know, how often for women, we can just like bury it and have shame or not oh. want to share. And so many people can be suffering, but you felt inspired to like be involved in the community as well as make it your specialty in your work, which, you know, with working with clients, it's so much more when someone is lived experience in addition mm-hmm. to the educational background with it yeah. as well. Totally. 
Well, and like that's present whether we're whether our clients are aware of that or not, right? Like I think they they don't have to know my story probably or you know yours or other people who work in this field to know or to feel the sense of like feeling felt, you know. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um so w- since new speaking of that, you know, funding for yes. IVF and, and life in New York versus life in Georgia, what have you observed mm-hmm. is just very different about being in Georgia or specifically in South Georgia in the perinatal space? Yeah. So it's so different. Um, and, you know, again, I, I didn't have a whole lot. I, I really didn't work as a perinatal provider in New York, but just kind of looking back on my experience working in mental health generally, um, obviously like New York is a huge city and it has a lot of challenges, but it also has a lot of resources available to people who don't, you know, have their own personal resources to draw from. So the main difference here is, um, in Savannah specifically is, uh, there are so many fewer providers, um, just mental health providers in general, I'd say Savannah is as a city, very under-resourced in the mental health space in general. Um, but then also like on a systemic level, you know, I now live in a state here in Georgia where we don't have expanded Medicaid. Right. And so there's so many people who are just really left to their own devices, especially, in the perinatal season. Um, I mean, when I got here that we were still under, you only got six months of pregnancy Medicaid. Now we get a year, that's great. But that also we know doesn't include so many people who do need care. Um, so that's a huge difference. And I see, you know, the impacts of that. I'm sure you do too, like all the time. Um, And then just two, there's, um, I think it's been a little bit of culture shock for me around, um, there's just still so much stigma around mental health care um, and therapy and generally around, especially like as um, for women and for moms um, around like needing help, around needing support around like um, struggling in motherhood or in parenthood. I feel like there's such a kind of, at least in Savannah anyway, like an intense cultural pressure around needing to look perfect, needing to have everything like to be very happy, to have everything in order, to have everything looking very presentable in a way that like does not leave space for mothers to be humans. Um, and that is true everywhere, I think. I mean, I think that's like, you know, living in a patriarchal society in a lot of ways, but it feel, there's a special flavor of it here that I think is specific to um, to the South and to Savannah um, and to some of the kind of cultural influences here. So um, I see so many barriers here to perinatal folks getting the kinds of support and care um, that they need and deserve. And I mean, that's not even looking at the medical issue um, oh. or medical care. Well, talk, talk about that. <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit about your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I imagine too, this must be this, I'm hoping this must be um, different and better in Atlanta, but in Savannah, um, we really struggle to have, you know, OBGYN providers who um, first of all are informed about anything to do with mental health Um, but who even just have like a basic sense of listening to and respecting like the needs and autonomy of their patients. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I mean, obviously we know like uh, maternal health, maternal mortality is in a horrific state in Georgia. We have one of the highest rates in the country, especially for black and brown moms. And um, here it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of acknowledgement of that reality whatsoever, of the reality of how um, scary and unsafe it is for most birthing people to go into a pregnancy, let alone a birth. Um, so I see that on my side of just dealing with the anxiety and fears that come up around pregnancy and birth, especially, you know, for black and brown moms, but really, I think for everyone, at least in this area. Um, and I don't know that medical providers here anyway, are really acknowledging that working within that and, and working to like, um, prevent that, right. uh, there's still such a sense of kind of like authoritarian mm-hmm. medical. I'm the expert. I know. I'm the expert. Totally. I'm going to tell you how to give birth. I'm going to tell you what your body's doing. I'm going to tell you what it shouldn't be doing. I'm going to tell you what your baby's doing, what it shouldn't be doing. Um, and that is a huge problem here um, that I hear about like almost every day, at least from pregnant and birthing clients of mine. Yeah. Are there, cause I know like, Mm-hmm. Savannah is a place that I have spent several summers visiting. Um, mm-hmm. It's historic. There's good food. And mm-hmm. with my drive to Savannah yeah. is like once you kind of like leave Macon, mm-hmm. it's like desolate. I mean, like, of course, there's like Dublin, <laughs> you know, you go through, yeah. there's like Metter or off mm-hmm. of the highway to get to like mm-hmm. Georgia Southern. Sure. Um, there's not even just there's not much you know um Mm -hmm. in comparison to like a city so Mm -hmm. are even with savannah taken in mind for Mm -hmm. someone who even wanted to get help with are there Mm -hmm. any options outside of the city are they kind of just like it is what it is they have to deal with yeah i mean people here that i for generally any kind of health care if it's not cutting it in Savannah, which certainly can happen. I know people will go to Jacksonville, to Augusta, to Charleston, to Atlanta, you know, to the other sort of major cities around. Um, And I get that, you know, I I could imagine making that choice, you know, if it was say my kid in some dire health situation, for sure. Um, I remember before I got into the the perinatal space, my sister-in-law, She's originally from Dublin, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I remember she had told me that she was going to the Atlanta Birth Center. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was like, you're driving all the way to the mm-hmm. Atlanta Birth Center okay. for your for your baby? I think I was like 23. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and she was like, yeah. And, uh, and I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I remember I couldn't even think of like, what about when she goes into labor? What is she going to do? Like, how is she going to figure that out? Or when she gets discharged? But she wanted to have the birth that she wanted to have. And she sacrificed and did what she needed to do to make that happen. And she avoided several complications being able to do that. And I recognize that not a lot of people have that ability, whether it's a transportation issue or a financial issue. But it's interesting that someone has to, from South Georgia. Oh, yeah. That's like a two, two hour, two and a half hour commute. Yes. Yeah. 
For sure. I, I will say I that's so true. And I it's so funny to think of how we like wouldn't have understood that until <laughs> now that we're in this this space. And that's also like, like hey, other, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um I will give a plug. I think it's important to plug um in Savannah, we do have um a birth center. It's called the Midwife Group and Birth Center, um, that I think is the only like in this entire region, I think other than the one in Atlanta. Um, it's incredible. Um, they're just a brilliant group of midwives who I think offer such kind of an antidote to the type of care that so many of the OBGYNs are providing in this area, not all of them, but a good chunk of them. Um, and, uh, it's, it's wonderful. And I know that people will travel, you know, from hours away in other parts of Georgia, just to birth at that birth center, because there isn't any other option say in rural Georgia or Western Georgia. Yeah. So, um, we are really fortunate to have that, but it's small, it's yeah. limited. Um, and they have restrictions on who can birth there based on risk factors. So it's not available to everyone either. Yeah. So with, you know, as being aware of these resources, you have started mm-hmm. something that's amazing. Yeah. Fun. Tell <laughs> us, how did you come up with it and, and about it and mm-hmm. how has it been in building it up? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Georgia fund, I started last year in November, which is wild that it's almost been a year. Um, and we had like an online party, like an anniversary. Oh, that's a great party. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an awesome idea. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, the idea itself, uh, you know, is not at all original, but um, was inspired from a lot of examples of different um, crowdfunded therapy funds that I'd seen online. Um, the primary one that was most inspiring to me was um, what eventually became the Loveland Foundation that was started by Rachel Cargill. Um, I believe you know it started as a GoFundMe that I think she titled Therapy for Black Women and Girls. Um, and she, you know, I think had like a fair following from her um, writing and activism and her, you know, online presence already. And she crowdfunded like several hundred thousand dollars um, to pay for um, women and girls to get therapy completely paid for. And I had kind of followed that over the years and was so inspired by it and kind of found some other sort of smaller examples. Um, I knew that I did not have the capacity to start a nonprofit. I have been involved with enough nonprofits to know like that is not, um, that's more than I can um, bite off right now. But I did think, you know, she started this and many people have started this as just a very simple kind of community-based crowdfunding um, program to just raise money from individuals to pay for therapy for perinatal folks in Georgia. Um, And so a a lot of the need for this just came from the work that we do that I think, you know, so many perinatal therapists see every day, especially in Georgia, all of the people who we are not able to work with and serve, you know, including me, like I am not in network with Medicaid. I don't, my, my fees are, you know, even at my lowest sliding scale rate are more than most people who are uninsured or, you know, just lower income can afford, which is true for most private therapists. Um, but I still was getting outreach or referrals almost daily from people who needed support right away and there's nowhere to send them. Um, and so, you know, just through a lot of conversation with colleagues and with different advocates and activists kind of recognizing that this was something that 
um, you know, the different organizations and people in Georgia who are working on maternal health or maternal mental health issues like PSI or like healthy mothers, healthy babies didn't have a program like specifically this, where it was actually just funding for therapy, plain and simple. Um, so that was the idea that um, I really just wanted to keep it as simple as possible, solicit donations and um, contributions through GoFundMe to pay for folks who are in the perinatal period to receive fully funded therapy. So um, that's what we're doing. And um, so far we've raised, um, I believe just over $18,000. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. And so with that, that has provided, um, we've awarded um, about 180 therapy sessions so far to perinatal folks in Georgia. Yeah, great. which is really cool. Um, and the people who apply, once they're granted um, the funding, they're able to get 10 fully funded sessions. And the key to it is that they are then linked with a trained and qualified perinatal provider. So therapists like us who have a lot of training, usually certification in perinatal mental health, um, and they're able to start treatment right away. So that's a big piece of it, because even for people who say, do you have commercial insurance or who can afford it? really hard to find qualified providers who are even available. Okay. So I've been able to kind of um, connect within the network that we are in to find therapists who are willing to see our fund recipients when the funding comes up to start work with them right away. So that means that, you know, for that postpartum mom who's struggling right now today, once she's awarded funding, she can start therapy tomorrow and know I will get 10 sessions um, paid for. And then our therapists are also committed to either continuing to work with them for a reduced rate or referring them somewhere else where they can get ongoing care if they need to. So it's not to say that we can like resolve all these issues within yeah. 10 sessions, but I think, you know, as we know, like for the clients we see who are really in crisis, the difference between no sessions and 10 sessions is huge. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. amazing that yeah. you're able to create something like that and being able to help. Um, I, I love that because I think a lot of times we can focus so much on the lack of mm. and feel frustrated and what's not working or the system. And sometimes mm. I think even for, you know, us who may be like inspired of wanting to do something big, mm. you know, but you can't, you can't remedy it all. Like you said, and yeah. you tackle the system, but mm. every little bit can contribute and help so many people and mm. that is a way of being able to do that. And it's also like causing like awareness as well for people totally. to be, you know, so much more aware on it can be a financial barrier. It can be a stigma barrier or finding someone that looks like them. And, and I say often how the, the, the COVID was horrible, but the benefit mm -hmm. is telehealth. And if someone can oh. 10 covered telehealth sessions with a professional that is certified and looks like them is a gym. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And, th and that's been, that is so much the focus of it is, you know, I mean, if you're near a therapist that you can go into in person and you want to use the funds for that, great. But this allows people from all over the state to have access to like, say all the amazing clinicians who are in the Atlanta metro area mm -hmm. <laughs> that we don't have in the rest of the state. And I think too, it feels really good to 
the clinicians who were involved because we get to have a sense of like, we're so frustrated by this, but also, you know, we have to keep our business going so we can't just, you know, open to everybody, but this is a way to feel like I'm actually contributing to something that feels um, different and helpful. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to suggest to a mom that may be hearing this who may have had a similar journey to yours of trying to conceive and postpartum depression and wanted to repress, like mm-hmm. wanted to just like, I just want to take care of this baby or I just need to take, you know, these shots so I can have this trigger shot and, and yeah. have this transfer or whatnot. What is something that you can offer Mm. so they won't feel like going to therapy can feel like another barrier or another Mm. burden that they have to carry Mm. yeah I think that's a great question um I I think that like for those moms who are in those kinds of situations or similar I think just really affirming the importance of having at least one person that you can really be real with and telling like how hard or how bad or how scary it really is that it doesn't have to be um like revolutionary you don't you don't have to be like changing everything but just finding one person that you can share that with and to know that like that is a space that's safe and non-judgmental I think can actually be and I've seen it you know in my clients and and felt it myself that can actually be like life-saving um you know whether that's like for, you know, or relationship saving or, you know, with a partner or with a child, um, that it really can have that much impact. It does, you don't have to do that much beyond just feeling that sense of like, I have some space where I can actually speak to this. Mm -hmm. And and two, that you don't have to be sick. You don't have to have a diagnosis. You don't, you, you just, you don't have to have any qualification to be entitled to that kind of like support and being seen. Right. Being seen and supported. Mm-hmm. Um, for clinicians who want to sign up um, mm-hmm. to become yeah. one of the providers that provide therapy mm-hmm. through the um, foundation, what what can mm-hmm. they do or where do they go? And for um, mm-hmm. mothers or birthing parents who want to receive the scholarship, what yeah. do they yeah, so um, our website is the place for that. It's georgiafund.org. Um, and you can, for therapists who want to work with our um, fund recipients, it, we are happy to have anyone who's licensed in Georgia um, and who has some um, perinatal mental health training. You don't have to have the full certification, but just some um, training in perinat- perinatal mental health. Um, and if you're interested in doing that, then we can put your profile on the website and you would be, um, just basically committing to seeing some of our fund recipients, um, as they come available. Um, and for folks who want to apply to receive funds, it's the same website, georgiafund.org, and you just click apply. Um, and I, I know it's, I feel like it's important to kind of define perinatal because it's a pretty broad definition, at least, well, in this context. Um, so people are eligible to receive funds if they live in Georgia and if they are pregnant, if they are postpartum up to two years, 
if they have had a miscarriage or a termination or an infant loss or a stillbirth in the last two years, um, or if they're going through any type of infertility treatment or just experiencing infertility. And lastly, um, non-birthing step-parents and foster parents of kids two and under are all eligible to receive therapy funds. So yeah, it was really important to me to like cast as wide a net as possible yeah. because it's not just about moms who give birth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> love yeah, <thanks>. love <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for and, the and I and I also will say, sorry, I I also just want to include we are giving because we have limited funds right now and we're still actively fundraising, we are giving priority to people who either have Medicaid or who are uninsured. Um oh. just folks who have like say commercial insurance. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, for those who want to donate money, would they just mm -hmm. go to the website as well? Yeah. And our yeah. so they would go to georgiafund.org um and there's a link right on the front page there to the GoFundMe. Um, yeah. And you can share the GoFundMe page anywhere widely. Um, I encourage people if they want to really like get it, get involved in their community with it, maybe thinking about having a fundraiser event or a raffle or any type of um, benefit for the fund, because not only does that help fund the therapy, but it also raises the awareness of the importance of mental health care for perinatal folks and just of the need for improved health care for perinatal folks in Georgia. <laughs> are the shirts still on sale? They are. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So we, um, we developed, uh, redesigned a t-shirt um, as a extra campaign to raise money and awareness too for the fund. Um, it's called the feel good mama t-shirt campaign. Um, and you can find those on the georgiafund.org website. Um, the shirts are available through Bonfire, which is like a fundraising platform. Um, and there's really cute t-shirts and women's, men's, kids, uh, babies, tote bags. They're super cute. So definitely feel free to check those out. <laughs> oh, I love it. All such good things. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for all that you're contributing to the community. Um, are you active on social media? Where can where can people follow you? Yeah. Um, so the Georgia Fund is on Instagram at Georgia Fund. Um, and it's all it is on Facebook as well, though it's mostly Instagram. Um, and then my practice, I have a Facebook um, page. It's Bridget Cross LCSW. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for everything you do, Keisha. Together, <laughs> never. Cause you it's your